Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, good morning. Hey, Corey. Good morning. How are you? Good, man. I'm, um, yeah, to be, you know, I was thinking actually today, I was listening to uh, the the Knowledge Project podcast with Shane Parrish, and he was interviewing uh, Jamath, Jamath, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but the, uh, the ex-Facebook growth guy and now the social capital spec guy who's taking everyone public and whatnot, and um, he was talking about how like since leaving Facebook, he's really tried, or since actually, I think getting into Facebook, he like stopped lying to himself and like was like a lot more like candid. And then even simple stuff like that, he was like, if someone asked me how I'm doing, he would just say like, oh, I'm having a crappy day or like, <laughs> I'm really pissed right now or stuff like that. Mm. It's like, I don't know if I want to be like that sharp, but um, I, it just came to mind. So I was thinking, I was like, you know what? This morning, y- yesterday, I was feeling like really like optimistic for some reason and like feeling great. And this morning I woke up and I think it was probably just cause I didn't get enough sleep, but I was just like, Oh boy, it's going to be a long week. Like kind of feeling it. And, um, not, not quite sure how to, how to describe my emotions right now. Yeah. So what you're saying is you're, you're not feeling fine. <laughs> yes. As of now, not feeling fine. Yeah, I am fine. See, that's the weird thing is like, mm-hmm. I know I'm fine and I know I will be fine and I have that optimism still back there. But like right now in this moment, it just feels kind of like blech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's Monday morning. Could be that it's, uh, I was shocked when I looked at the calendar this morning, I was like, wow, it's the last week of October. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. It's going, you know, the months are flying by now. Yeah. I, I really can't believe it. The the other thing, and um, and this is why I was also like kind of confused by like kind of my own psychology is, uh, I really liked, I really appreciated uh, Jordan Gall on the Bootstrapper Bootstrap Web podcast. And the last one, I think he maybe it was the last one, the one before that. Uh, he was talking about. He was like, "Hey, let's be real. Like, my emotional my my emotions are." on the same roller coaster as revenue (laughs) Mm. and the revenue forecast. And, uh, and that's so true. I think I noticed that when I was at bare metrics, cause that was like sort of the main KPI. But I thought maybe that when I'd go on my own, that it would be a little bit different cause I could sort of, I didn't have like an external pressure, but it's, it's that same pressure, but now internal of like, how are things going? Or how many new members do we have? Like, how am I feeling about the roadmap and what's coming up or, the amount of new trials coming in and that just like completely dictates how I feel any given day or moments, unfortunately right now. Yeah. I would imagine you are feeling that probably 10 X what you were at bare metrics. It's, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I was thinking about this exact same topic near the end of last week. Uh, Cause I think last time we recorded, I, I had mentioned that, it was basically close to a record week for JetBoost yeah. as far as new revenue. And then last week was more on the slower side. And I was kind of feeling that in the background of like my mood is a little bit more sour than uh, certainly the 
the optimism of the the previous week and uh tyler from Ernest has a he's got a really good tweet about this it just says you are not your mrr uh <laughs> which i think sums it up really well but it's also extremely difficult to not feel that way uh yeah you know and, and like you said not even just revenue but new signups new trials all of that uh particularly when you're working on something by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I don't, I'm not really sure what to do about it because part of me thinks like, well, it's, it's kind of that anxiety that like pushes me to like actually sit down and do work a little bit. Mm-hmm. But part of me is like, eh, at the same time, like I don't really need it to do work. And like, it, is it, I don't know. Is it an ingredient to doing my best work? I, I keep hearing, you know, listening to podcasts about people saying like, you know, you don't do your best work when you're stressed or when you're rushed or when you're, uh, you know, this or that, sort of all the kind of negative forces. You do your best work when you're, you know, quote unquote playing or when you're having fun or when you're mm-hmm. relaxed. And um, I'm like, dang, that'd be really nice to be able to get there. But I don't know like how to flip that switch or what the sort of like changes because I feel like every day I can just choose to either see it as like work or see it as play. It's not really like a, like I wouldn't change anything about what I'm doing necessarily. I like all the things I'm doing, but it just, it's, it feels a little bit, uh, you know, like a drag, maybe because revenue is um, sort of, you know, behind that, what I'm, the, all the things that I'm doing right now. Yeah, I think that's the tricky part of it is, uh, revenue signups, all, all of the numbers are, uh, like backwards looking. So those are all like lagging indicators as to what you're actually doing. So, you know, it's more important just to continue moving forward each week and, um, like I said, staying on task and completing your, your goals and like all those numbers will catch up eventually, as long as you're kind of focused on the right things and, um, continuing to produce. But it's so hard yeah. in the moment to, like, I don't know, internalize that or, like, the fact that a bunch of people converted one week into paying customers for JetBoost is just kind of a, a, a random occurrence where maybe a <laughs> bunch of sites went live that week or whatever. But it wasn't, it wasn't like I did anything that week differently, uh, hmm. and yet it still felt like I was doing something better, <laughs> even though I wasn't, you know. Yeah. So even though you, the things you did were probably, you know, like a month ago, exactly affected what you're seeing now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's hard because, um, again, I'm such like a sort of like live in the future, you know, have like, you know, planner kind of love being in the strategy side of things. And I just like so badly want to get to that place where I'm like over the hill or I'm sort of like there. Mm hmm. And again, at the same time, sort of my, my internal, uh, dialogue is like, well, either that it's true and you'll get there and you'll be happy or you're delusional. And then you'll be, you know, even less happy when you get there (laughs) because you've been tricking yourself the whole time. So I don't know. Part of me thinks like, yeah, I mean, once I have a more consistent stream of signups and, or, um, maybe more focused as well, um, I'll feel better or maybe I can kind of like take a step back and internalize the, the whole, you're not your MRR Mm -hmm. mantra, but 
yeah, just right now, like you said, it, it's hard to actually do that. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know that it gets any easier. And from what I found is every time I reach a point where I'm like, this is the hill I wanted to climb. This is where I wanted to get to, uh, quote unquote, be satisfied or happy or whatever. Uh, now there are just new, bigger problems, bigger challenges, bigger hills to climb. And it kind of never ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. The good news is, though, I have been seeing some conversions and a lot more new signups. That's good. And I think especially with the community launching and getting people sort of excited about it and uh, community members inviting other members um, that I have seen a good amount of signups. I actually need to go back. My, my Stripe account is kind of a mess because it's like I, I have all of my like things in there with like the courses and you know, marketers and then swipe files and then even like consulting. And so I can't like, I need to plug into bare metrics and like actually get a handle on it. Um, I, I can get sort of the basics in Stripe, but it's still very messy. So I don't really know how I'm doing, but it seems like from what I can see in member stack that there are a decent amount of people converting and sign, signing up. So that's a good thing, but it's just, you know, now I'm like, okay, I want more of that. Right. I, I need this to happen <laughs> multiple times for me to feel good about it, you know, over a few months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it will happen. And it's, again, it's just the result of you providing something that is helpful to people. And the more people you help, the more people are going to uh, be interested in what you're doing. So seems yep. like you're on the right yep. path. God, I just got to keep going through it. But right now it kind of feels like yeah. I'm in, um, in the dip as Seth Godin would describe it, you know, a little bit, you know, kind of struck out my own. It wasn't like, you know, butterflies and rainbows, uh, when I first went full time, but now it definitely feels like, okay, I'm kind of in the trenches a little bit and now I need to like get through it and then get out of it hopefully soon. So I'm kind of thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping like the next three to six months, I can basically like phase out all mentoring, consulting, coaching stuff, um, just for the sake of my own like sanity and sort of focus. Um, but that's sort of like on the horizon. I'm thinking like one of the other sort of hills I want to climb is like being able to do that. And for that to happen, I need to have that, you know, steady, consistent stream of signups and, and new, and new members. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you, you have had a lot going on there as far as you last week made the community officially live. Yep. Yeah. Last week. Mm -hmm. And you're also working on the, the new podcast and doing teardown still. So you, you do have a lot that, that is going to move things forward. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's, that's the other thing, you know, I think, Again, I keep coming back to it and trying to remind myself, but with this type of like business, again, with the community, with the content, like it, it really is, I kind of think like just getting the flywheel spinning, like if I can just get enough content in the mix, get enough members on board, then like it'll sort of start to take a life of its own and I can kind of get in the groove. But right now I'm starting a lot of things. I'm, I'm just launching the community. I'm, I've been doing the teardowns for a while, but I'm just launching new content formats. Um, just getting the, the new podcasts up and running. So like, it's a lot of new things, which there's a lot of like unknowns in there. So what I'm thinking is that once 
I have those kind of that flywheel spinning that it will feel easier even when I'm doing like the same amount of work, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Cause then you're yeah. going from, you know, whatever your baseline of signups is right now, like that's going to continue to grow. And each time you do something new, it's going to have an even bigger effect. So for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. With the audience and mm -hmm. um, community. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I, I sort of like, I finally laid out like, okay, here's all like the big things I need to do for swipe files. And it's like, okay, I need to launch sort of the articles, which is sort of my attempt at like Substack style sort of thought leadership, hot takes and uh, all the above um, the guides, which are much more like instructional and tactical tactics, which are sort of bite-sized bits for people to sort through checklists, which is, um, you know, more for like one-off sort of big launches. You know, if, if you're launching a podcast or if you're launching a new product or if you're launching a product hunt or uh, publishing a new blog post, things like that. Um, I need to redo the newsletter rewards. Uh, I need to create a couple new pages. I need to redo the homepage and create a new community page. I need to create a lead magnet for the newsletter. Um, and that's it. <laughs> just, just those things. Just those few so, things. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out like, how can I launch the, all these in the next like month, which is probably way too optimistic, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's good to have that target and I would say just obviously prioritize which ones you think will have the most impact. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get that order of operations right and, uh, and correct. The, the one other thing I'll mention and then I'll sort of hand it off to you and get the updates on what's new in your world is, uh, an update, not, not so much for you cause you already know, but, um, an update for the podcast listeners. Uh, that I'm sort of backpedaling on one of my previous statements about consulting and that I'm uh, actually going to be working with a early stage startup basically on sort of a per hour basis uh, with a small amount of hours per week um, to help them with growth. So I'm actually really excited for it. It's a product I use and love and uh, I'll be able to talk more about it pretty soon. I'm starting with them uh, in November, uh, the beginning of November, but basically I had to with my content marketing retainer that got kind of like slashed and um, sort of like there's a few like moving parts there that need to be worked out. And then with the coaching being like a little bit, uh, I mean, very consistent, but like, it's not like paying the bills. I was like, I need to have like one thing in there just to feel good. Especially mm -hmm. I was thinking about too, like with the holidays, it always ends up costing more than I think. <laughs> so even if it's just for like, you know, the next few months, you know, like I said, the next three to six months, at least I can be able to buy people gifts, pay for rent and, uh, and stay afloat while I um, build up this flywheel. So, yeah. Yeah. And that will probably take some of the like anxiousness away as well. So you can yeah. focus and continue to build this. Yep. That's definitely part of it. So tell me what's new with you. What's, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah. So real quick, you, you can't say the product yet. Not yet. Okay. I have to ask him actually. Yeah. I'm not really sure. He probably wouldn't care, but, uh, by the next time we record, I think I will be like starting with them officially. So it's probably a safer time to talk about that anyways. Okay. 
we'll, we'll have to talk about it next time then because I just started yes. using that product over the weekend and yeah, it is fantastic. So we'll, awesome. we'll, we'll save cool. that for the okay. next episode. Nice. Um, yeah, for me, you know, it was kind of a, I want to say boring week. <laughs> it was a, it was a pretty standard week, which was nice to be honest. No major, uh, you know, red alerts or anything like that. Things that <laughs> fires to put out. So, uh, yeah, that was good. And I think, uh, w one of my focuses this quarter has been to, uh, reduce the amount of time I'm spending on support. And as a big part of that, I've been pushing out a number of uh, smaller bug fixes and enhancements. I had a list of, uh, I think, 12 questions that I would commonly receive in support chat. Uh, mm. And I've gone through and uh, already fixed, I think, six of those. And it's awesome. I can tell like the support volume is starting to decrease. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it's so I'm a big fan of just improving the like, it's so easy to go and create a, a, a knowledge base or like a help center doc. And I almost feel like that's, you know, for some questions you do kind of just have to do that but it's also a little bit of like punting on the challenge of why not improve the product so this question never mm. gets asked again and i've been able to do that for a number of these uh which which has felt really good and it's it's a better experience for the end user because ultimately like no one wants to have to go reach out to support because something's either not working how they expected or they can't find something that they're looking for uh so yeah a lot of uh last week was spent on that um i even i i tweeted this out on friday i had one what i called a a major breakthrough uh <laughs> Which I, it was funny because I, I almost didn't even tweet this at all. It was like Friday evening, uh, but I was really just like happy that I finally figured this this thing out. And uh, it it actually was really well received, and a lot of people were really excited about it. And yeah. it kind of reminded me that for for every person that reaches out with a problem, there's like five or ten more that ran into that problem but never even reached out. Uh, mm, so yeah. it it was really cool to see uh the reaction there and uh you know it, it's kind of had me thinking about i know probably nowadays like steve jobs is maybe a little too over revered in silicon valley or uh, <laughs> is someone controversial but i do believe there is something to the ability uh that someone hit, like like he had where you know he he forced people or engineers, designers to look at things differently uh, and mm. to not take no for an answer. Like this product has to be, you know, this thin and I don't care what the engineering team says as far as like making all the electronics fit and everything, like this is what it has to be. And yeah, I, I think like we commonly look at problems like it's your brain starts to just immediately think like, here's all the reasons why this can't be done. Uh, and I've seen this multiple times with in doing jet boost where 
there there's an issue and I don't have any way to solve it. And I've maybe found like a crappy workaround that I can give to people and I'll do that for a while. And then every once in a while, and this is what happened last week, someone will come to me uh, with this problem. And I realize that the workaround that I've given everyone else isn't going to work for their specific use case. And so yeah. now it's like either a, I have to tell them, sorry, you can't do this or B like, I have to start thinking about the problem in a way where, okay, what if this was possible? How can I solve this? Uh, and I don't know, it's just like, it's a different mindset where your your back's against the wall and you're thinking like, okay, I need to come up with some sort of creative solution for this. And uh, yeah, that's what happened on Friday where all of a sudden, I, it, like just this person's like slightly different use case made me think about this problem in a completely different way. and. Uh, mm. again, it's like, uh, the issue ended up being, uh, people wanting to use the same filter on the same page multiple times, which is like not that commonly done, but if you're trying to do separate layouts for mobile and desktop, like this was a real problem. Uh, uh yeah. So yeah, it, it, it felt really good to, to get that taken care of now. And it's again, related to this idea of like put, just putting things in a help doc, I was trying to figure out for this issue, how can I put something in the, in the product that sort of explains the issue, tell someone how they have to make multiple versions of the filter. And I'm like, but I don't wanna make this too prominent because it's just confusing for like a new user or someone who's trying to set up their first filter. Mm. Uh, and then I just, I, I couldn't find a good way to explain this in the product. And now I don't even have to, cause it's just taken care of. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like have, have a way just, you know, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it just works now, which is, which is awesome. Um, so I was really excited about that. And yeah, I guess last week was mm. probably more heavily focused on the product side. Cause a, a lot of my time was also spent on, um, what I talked about on the last episode, which was uh, this new ability to uh, basically clone boosters that are part of a, a Webflow clone, um, again, to help with the onboarding. And I'm hoping to finish that up today or tomorrow. So uh, mm. yeah, just kind of a standard week of, of moving things forward. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool though. I, I, I like, um, I never really thought about it before, you know, but they say like, you know, the, the second time you get a support question, you know, create sort of a, a saved reply. And then like once, you know, you're sort of creating all sorts of different versions of the saved reply or you keep sending it out, then create like a, you know, a knowledge base article or something, a help doc. Um, but usually it kind of ends there, right? I was like, you don't really think about the product again, unless someone else sort of brings it up like, hey, what if we did this thing the other way? But you don't really intentionally think like, how do we remove or how do we like trim down the knowledge base by like <laughs> removing the need for these articles altogether? I think it's a really cool kind of concept because like you said, then you don't even have to send it. You don't even have to have people go look for it. They, they can just do what they wanted to um, or it's more obvious in the product, right? Or it's something within uh, that, that explains and kind of negates the need for them to ask a question. And, um, I like that a lot. I think that's a good sort of, um, that should like be inscribed in sort of the, 
the bootstrapper, like 10 commandments, you know, like, uh, never, you know, or like thou shalt, uh, remove the need for knowledge based articles whenever, <laughs> whenever possible or something. Cause that's a, that's a neat way to sort of scale your time and, and your attention. Yeah. I think that's a good point. It, usually the knowledge base only grows. It, it never shrinks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to metrics now of like, yeah, there's probably a lot of those. And we, we never really thought about like, you know, as well as like, oh, well, let's create a knowledge base article for that, or let's do this for that. And, and of course you don't want to just jump straight to the product if, if it's unnecessary, or if it's just something that people are going to ask every once in a while, maybe that doesn't feel like it's needed um, right now. But I bet you there's a whole host of opportunity just waiting in people's knowledge base of like ways that you can improve the product and just remove the, the article altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of uh, like saving support replies, uh, I, I basically try to track each common question that I get uh, and tally like who's asked it. And so I can see mm. how many times I've received it. Uh, and then sort of develop features iteratively from that. So uh, like one common challenge right now is if someone wants to uh, basically copy their uh, Jetboost setup from one project to another. Uh, and this is pretty common if a, if a freelancer is doing a mm. project for a client. And there's kind of like a manual workaround to do it, but I started getting this question more and more. And uh, so I built just a real rough uh, way for me to do it on the back end. So there's no like UI or anything like that. And if somebody asked me this, I can go take some time and run this kind of manual thing. And, uh, but it will automatically copy the boosters over. And it's it's been interesting doing development this way and sort of seeing how the feature evolves because it's, it's like using real user use cases as basically a, a iterative testing system for developing a feature. So each mm -hmm. time I I've gone and done this for somebody, like there are little hiccups or whatever that it doesn't quite work. And so then I go fix that. And then I fixed it in the, uh, the code for copying, um, the JetBoost setup between sites. And now it's at the point where I just need to throw a UI on it and somebody can do it themselves. So that's going to be coming through soon as well. And, uh, there's That's been, awesome. yeah, there's just been so many features like that in JetBoost where, uh, it just kind of develops over time and I, I'll get this question a couple of times and then go build it and then find more and more people needed the same thing. And, uh, yeah, I, to, to be able to develop a product that way is, is really enjoyable because it's, it makes it so easy to, to know what to do next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good feedback loop of people always asking of like, hey, can I do this this way, or is it possible for me to you know clone or copy or import, and uh, and then you know that like I said that there's demand and then you can go build that thing or take some time, let it marinate for a while. Maybe you you can't at first you have to build the workaround, but then later you might have the breakthrough. Um, right. And uh, that's a really fortunate position to be in. I think. I think there's something about um, 
maybe about it sort of being early or maybe just because you're so involved, like as the founder right now, you know, bootstrapping yourself, but um, there's sort of a, you know, like when you can train your users and customers to give you feedback and to sort of welcome that, that's, I mean, it's fantastic because then you sort of have this engine going of people that are just always giving you information that's useful for the product and for marketing and for support and um, sort of how the business works. Whereas I feel like when, once it gets bigger, when you start scaling, then like, then it has to go through multiple layers and mm -hmm. it just gets sort of archived somewhere and it becomes harder, you know, becomes less common for users or customers to be as uh, like collaborative. It's a little bit more like demanding maybe. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's really cool. You know, it's not everyone gets to, gets to do that, I think. Yeah, I've never gotten to do that working uh, just as a software engineer in the past at different companies because, like you said, there was always a, a layer or two in between. Uh, things had to go through product backlogs and uh, meetings and all of that. So, uh, yeah, the, the other thing I've noticed that I think is really crucial for this is having live support, uh, chat support inside of the mm -hmm. app. Uh, I actually read something last week that, uh, Michael Aubrey, who does story creator, he posted something on indie hackers saying like, oh my God, I just added live chat support to my product <laughs> and I'm learning so much. Uh, he's like, why didn't I do this sooner? And yeah, I think, uh, that has been a, uh, just really something that, uh, has helped a lot with JetBoost and the development of it uh, throughout. Basically, I've had it since day one, so it's it's been really helpful. Yeah. But yeah, it. it yeah, I, I'm sort of at the point now where, like, the live chat can be very interruptive. It can, uh, it certainly causes stress at times, but uh i still think overall it's it's worth having at least on, at the scale that jetboost is at right now yeah i think peter is it peter sum peter sum mm -hmm. of uh branch and the out of beta podcast mm -hmm. shout out to them he had a similar sort of eureka moment where he was like resisting live chat for so long and then he added it just like trying to get more feedback about like how to make branch more meaningful and then it was like literally immediately had like multiple messages that were like really interesting you know feedback piece of information he need and he was just like oh my gosh why didn't i have this earlier <laughs> that was like surprising for me to hear because i i sort of have been of the sort of in the camp of like you know it's just one of those things you do and like everyone has live chat support what do you mean like why why wouldn't you or like i understand maybe why you wouldn't want to but like why wouldn't you you know it's just my experience has been very very colored by uh, you know, everywhere having live chat support and it being like a very kind of critical function to the business. So yeah, people like to hate on it, but I think there's something still pretty magical about it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had that at bare metrics, right? Yeah. I will say on the marketing side, I'm not entirely sure how useful it is. And I feel like my, my impression is that it gets less and less useful every day, essentially, you know, very, very sort of marginally. But the whole like chatbot or like just pop in and say hello, start a conversation. I've maybe had like 
one or two meaningful chat conversations ever. Like I can't, and you know, also keep in mind, I was not a salesperson when I was at Cordial where we had sort of live chat on the marketing site. Also at Bear Metrics, it was maybe a little bit different because it was just like sign up for free and start a free trial. So like most people didn't really have a reason to start a conversation on the site. But I mean, that that's also just kind of, I don't know, part of the thing is like, you know, it's not like super useful on the marketing site. And that I feel like can be the source of, I mean, I, I remember going through every day and like basically just like exiting or closing 10 to 15 every day. They were just like spammy or someone just saying like, hi, or hello, or is anyone there? And I'm like, yes, someone's here. <laughs> like, why are you wasting my time with these stupid messages? <laughs> Yeah, I would uh, 100% agree about having it on the marketing site. It's It gets less and less useful over time. So I had it uh, on the marketing site it, probably for the first six months, I want to say, of JetBoost. Uh, and it was really helpful in the beginning where I didn't have a pricing page. I didn't have very good descriptions of the products and what it could do and, and how it was beneficial to people. Uh, so yeah, there were questions that would come in and kind of like on the product side that helped, uh, build out some of the, the marketing site as well, where it was like, okay, if a lot of people are mm. coming to the marketing site and they're not seeing this information, should probably add it there. Uh, and yeah. also, you, sure, go ahead. I was gonna say you, you did end up removing that though, right? You said the first yes. six months, so it was like right around... March, I guess, is when you maybe switched off. Yeah, and maybe even a little bit longer than that. Whenever I ended up switching it off, I, I had realized that I'd kept it on there for way too long. Because uh, <laughs> it just, like you said, it was a lot of, you know, people writing in like, hi, or it also feels much more time sensitive because it's someone who's just on the marketing site. They don't have a user account. So if they don't leave their email, there's no way to get back to them. Uh, yep. And yeah, I think your point about if you have a free to sign up product, no credit card required, like then there really is almost no reason once you get past the very early days to to have it on your marketing site. Yeah. Um, right. Because I mean, every every question they would ask would be like, "We'll just sign up and like see." Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Just go to this other page on the site, or like, you know, there's the price. It's not like we're. You know, and that's where I could see for like very sales led organizations where there probably isn't a pricing page right. to request a demo. It's very sort of like, you know, gated on the website. Then like you, you might want to ask some questions before you engage. But when everything's open, you know, you can create a free account, start a free trial, see the pricing, get started right away. And it's like, why would you even want someone to start a conversation? Like that would just be a, a distraction. I feel like it would maybe even negatively impact your conversions or sort of the way that people interact with the site. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what I found. Yeah. Well, not surprising, but anything else new in your world or top of mind for you? Uh, the only thing I didn't touch on yet, which is, uh, somewhat top of mind is, uh, after my last monthly update, I got some good feedback from, Michelle Hansen, who is, uh, she's got her podcast, the software social podcast. 
which was, you know, I've, I've been looking at how can I grow kind of traffic to JetBoost site and number of signups, uh, which has been relatively flat for, uh, since, since June, I believe. Uh, and she kind of challenged me a little bit to look more at the conversion rate as far as people who sign up Mm. and the percentage that successfully completes the onboarding, uh, or, you know, is basically what's considered an activated customer user. Uh, right. And for JetBoost that has historically been around 50% of signups, which I had read somewhere for kind of like self-serve SaaS, like 40 to 60% is good for that. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, well, 50% is right in the middle. That seems good enough. Uh, but after talking with her, like it, it kind of, it, it was a really good point she made that like half the people that take the time to read through the marketing site, this looks interesting enough. This looks like it might solve their problem. They sign up and then they're not successful with the product. So that's like, that's worth like right now I have no follow up with the, those people whatsoever. I don't know what they're hoping mm. to find that maybe JetBoost couldn't do or uh, where they got stuck and then gave up and never reached out to support or anything like that. Like that's a significant group of people. Uh, so this oops, this week uh, I do plan on trying to reach out to some of those um, and just get some more information on, uh, again, it's another way to hopefully find what people are looking for, improve the product. And, uh, yeah. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Hmm. Do you have an idea? Like, you know, so these people are coming in, they're signing up like the level of how sort of qualified they are. Like, you know, are they connecting a Webflow account? Are they, um, you know, do they have, like, what are some of, the, some of the indicators you would see of, like, how many of these 50% of people starting or creating an account um, should have converted, if that makes sense, and how many shouldn't have because they just weren't a good fit or didn't really connect anything? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, some of that I think I still need to uncover as far as I know there are people who are newer to Webflow. They're just kind of learning Webflow and, and making practice projects and they find out about JetBoost. And uh, so they want to sign up and see what that's all about. Uh, so yeah, there, there are certainly some people who are less qualified. Uh, they're around, I think it's over 90% now who sign up do connect a Webflow account. Uh, so okay. yeah, it's like that 10% I'm not going to go find out why they didn't connect their Webflow account. Yeah, uh, right. But certainly as you get farther and farther through the process where you've you've tried to, you went and created uh, one of these boosters and you tried, maybe you got like partway through the setup and then you abandoned, uh, I think finding out why could be pretty useful. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I have sort of two thoughts on it, but both of them are like, not really about like the metric itself, but more sort of what you're trying to uncover from the metric, which is one, if you were to, you know, send like a whole bunch of new traffic to the site and get people to sign up, 
then it would probably like reduce your sort of uh, conversion rate anyways, just because there's going to be a level of unqualified people or just people who are kind of looky-loos or interested. Um, so that would that would sort of, you know, be in conflict of like, if you wanted to increase the conversion rate, then like you probably shouldn't, you know, send more traffic, right? So I'm, I'm in agreement there. At the same time, if what you're really after is how can I convert more qualified people, then obviously getting more qualified traffic is going to help that cause, right? Because you're going to get more people through the door and you have more people to convert at the end of the day, regardless of what the conversion rate is. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't really like to focus on the rate itself. It's more like how many are we actually converting every month and how many should we? You know, it's like, and like you said, you know, what opportunities are there to sort of bridge that gap and uncover why those people aren't. Um, but uh, even then, you know, I would, I would, that 10% is actually smaller than I thought. I was going to say about 20, 25% of most signups are, um, are probably just going to be like spammy or unqualified. So the fact that it's 10% is like a pretty good sign anyways. Um, and yeah, maybe, I mean, after this whole exercise, maybe even just like a, again, indicator of like, here, our conversion rate is like too high. <laughs> like let's, let's get more traffic through the door so that it gets, goes down because, you know, this is a sign that, uh, you know, there's more opportunity here to convert more people. So, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, uh, I don't know that Michelle necessarily said like, the goal is to increase the conversion rate. It was more the goal is to learn why people mm, uh, yeah. are, are are signing up, but then aren't completing the onboarding process. And I think that, you know, again, going and actually talking to these people and finding out the answer uh, will then sort of determine the next step that if it's everyone's like, hey, I just, you know, trying it out. I don't really have a project that's ready for this yet, which I've heard before. Uh, if that's the majority of the people, then okay, keep things as they are and let's go drive more traffic. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point though. Yeah, no, that's good though. And I think that that would be a really worthy sort of exercise, um, to see maybe what those things are. It, I mean, it kind of goes back again to the product improvements that you've been making to reduce support where it's like, you know, what are the, maybe the product things you can do to increase activation? Mm -hmm. um, so very similar action, different purpose, sort of uh, different end result there, but um, also a, a positive. Yeah. And honestly, that gets harder and harder over time, I've realized, uh, because in the mm. in the beginning of JetBoost, you know, it, it, the product existed for less time. And so I pretty much only focused on improving the onboarding. Like there weren't as many people coming through. Uh, so I could pretty singularly focus on each new signup and uh, where they got stuck. Oh, yeah. And uh, and also now I have, I, <laughs> I've spent thousands of hours in the product. Uh, so <laughs> I have to remember like, I'm staring at this thing every single day and you know, to be able to look at it from the eyes of a beginner or someone who's never seen the product before or is new to Webflow, uh, which I was also pretty new to Webflow at the time I started doing JetBoost. So again, I, I had that, that beginner mindset mm. of, 
Like I created videos in the product showing people how to add a class to a Webflow uh, like collection item. Like I probably wouldn't think about that today because I just think, oh, everyone knows how to do that. Uh, yeah. So right. yeah, I, I do think improving onboarding gets harder and harder over time as as you lose some of that beginner mindset. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's you have to <laughs> either learn to see things new again or just get other people to mm -hmm. show you what they're seeing and sort of talk through it and record a loom video or something. Um, you could even try, I don't know, depends on how you want to do it, but you could, you know, for anyone who starts a new trial, just offer, uh, like a week extension or some sort of like bonus. I don't know. Maybe it's like a personal help from you. If they record a loom video of like their thoughts on onboarding and sort of, have them like go through the steps of onboarding or something. I don't know, mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, maybe trying to get people to, I remember Ben, um, Ornstein from Tuple did that once where he was like, all right, we're going to take a look at our onboarding. Like who wants to sign up and give us feedback? Like if you can send, send us an email or record a video, like we'll do something for you. I forget what it was. And I think he ended up getting like 50 people to like seriously go through and mm. give like good critique. Um, which I think was really helpful for him according to what he said in the podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've done that once in the past uh, when I released the CMS favoriting product. I, I There was like an early access group and I sent everyone an email saying, hey, if you send me a Loom video, video of you setting this up, because uh, again, like I'm writing these instructions from my perspective and things oh, are yeah. more clear to me than they might be to someone who's seeing it for the first time. So. Uh, yeah, I haven't done that specifically with just the onboarding in general, which is a good idea, but I do like that strategy. Yeah, that was smart for the, the early access too. I, again, with the knowledge base or even, yeah, I mean, even just the art, the onboarding sort of instructions for that new product. So definitely an underrated strategy. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, anything else going on with you? No, I think that's it. Alrighty, well, shall we wrap? think so cool we'll have all the show notes uh or yeah we'll have all the links and stuff in the show notes hopefully we can remember all the mentions i've been trying to get better about uh jotting down some brief notes while we chat just so <laughs> i don't like i have things to reference uh, but we're trying to make them as useful as possible um subscribe you can let us know what you thought on twitter at Corey haynes co or at c underscore spags and we'll see you in the next one